Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, intimate conversations with some of the most exciting decision makers in the world of franchising to help you and your business adapt to unprecedented change in our industry. I'm Kieran McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. In times like these, the true benefit of risk management becomes all too clear. Sometimes it can feel too late to prevent any negative impact from something like COVID-19 after it's already underway, but more often than not, there's never a bad time to prepare for the worst, even amidst a global health crisis. With that in mind, we wanted to chat with Sean Murphy, Managing Director of BDO USA, about his experience within the risk management industry and what businesses can currently do to lessen the fallout caused by the coronavirus. Sean's long history in this sphere makes him a reliable authority to turn to, and with BDO's global revenue in 2019 surpassing $9.6 billion, it's certainly an organization with serious clout. Hi, Sean. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you, Kieran. Yeah, if you had a, you had a, well, I'd imagine you've had a, a very busy week in light of all the current things going on. It's been a, a very, very, very busy last couple of months, actually. So we're working pretty much seven days a week. We actually support a number of our clients, uh, global organizations. We support them in their crisis command capabilities. So we're really helping them manage the crisis, current crisis. So unfortunately, good news or bad news is good news for us. And it's it's been really quite uh, busy to be able to manage this particular situation, which is really global. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, in, if we could start with a little bit of positivity, um, just in the past few months or so where you have been have been very busy, have you seen many examples of businesses that have utilized already uh, strong risk management processes and, you know, have therefore kind of lessened the impact that they might have been quite severely hit by COVID-19? Yeah, we've seen some really great examples and really, really poor examples. And I think it's important before I dive into that, it's really important to understand the role of risk management within any organization, Hmm. uh, small or big. And the role of risk management serves very similar to the immune system. So risk management acts as the organizational immune system. And so therefore, it's not just one thing. It's made up of many things that must function together to help make the body resilient. So I particularly run uh, BDO's operational risk practice, advisory and technology practice, and that comprises of crisis management, which is what we're really talking about today, business continuity, third-party risk, product recall, et cetera. But there's other risk managements that have to come together, particularly in an event like this, such as financial risk insurance and claim risk, legal risk, market risk, risk, liquidity, and so forth, so forth. And I, and the reason I, I mentioned the immune system, because I, we always want organizations to have a mental model of the purpose of risk management. So if, if you think of your immune system, what are the things that you want to do to have a strong immune system, right? It's a very similar process. It's just like we have to sleep right, eat right, have good relationships, have healthy environments. The same thing happens with our organizations. We have to treat that same. Unfortunately, the organizational risk management or the organizational immune system is very similar to the human immune system is that we really don't notice it until we need it, right? And then we're like, oh, oh, here we mm. go. And, and, that's, and that's what's happened. And that's where you see a lot of these organizations that have decided to put risk management on the back burner, which is natural, right? Because you're, you're healthy at that time. But now they're, they're starting to backpedal. So those organizations that do have a significant risk management program, uh, in this particular event, any organization that moved first for even in December, early January, they had a crisis management team set up. They were monitoring it. They're tracking it. That's probably one of the first signs that we see uh, that for organizations that have been able to 
to help manage that process. And I think when you look at the situation, it is dynamic, it is changing, there's new rules coming out all the time. Uh, you've got to be able to have a command and control capability that allows an organization to have situational awareness, have really a common operating picture of what the organization is doing. It has to have what we call runways, which is really different branches that, of the scenario, how they get, get played out. And that runway has to be defined for us. So, and a great example is, what's our cash flow, right? How long can we go before this decision has to get made? So organizations that are poor in risk management, all they're doing is pretty much getting on the phone and reacting in a communication perspective. They're trying to communicate and reacting to the now. They're not really thinking long term. And that's very important for us when it comes to, to the situation. And as uh, I always like to quote um, Warren Buffett in these types of really regional or this is a truly a global situation where, you know, only when the tide goes out, do you discover who's swimming naked. And I think that's going to. Right. That's going to show who's really who's been at risk and who's not been at risk. Yeah. So for those businesses that maybe now are slightly or more on the back burner where they might not have put the the correct steps in place beforehand, you know, as you say, it's risk management isn't a single entity. It is made up of multiple different facets. But as we, you know, as we both know, this isn't going to be a few weeks or a few months. The impact from coronavirus is going to be seen years down the line, like with any global crisis. So is there any any immediate steps that businesses should be taking right now to um, to help themselves out? Yeah, that's a good question. I think this particular industry is hit significantly hard uh, in a situation like this when people can't, they're quarantining, they can't, uh, they can't move, there's no mobility to it. The advice I always give executives is that companies typically will make decisions too late um, just because it's a timing issue and usually too soft which means they constantly have to go back and, and adjust stuff. So it's, it's incredibly important for the executive team to understand their priority, to understand their intent, and to understand their runway. And with that, we all have to make decisions quicker, faster, with inadequate information. This is hard, which is why people typically wait too long to make certain decisions. But you have to make those decisions before you cripple the organization. And you have to make it significant enough that you're going to have to extend that runway for it. So it's really important for organizations to truly understand their operational capabilities and the financial situation. Because this situation, let me take a step back. Here's a struggle with a situation like this. And everyone, everyone's facing it. And it's really dealing with complexity, which, which is saying we're really uncertain uncertain how sometimes governments are going to react, uncertain how long we're going to be quarantined, uncertain if this thing's going to mutate, right? So there's a huge amount of uncertainty there. And the speed of change is really rapid. So when you have high density or uncertainty with high density of connections with high speed, that creates an incredible amount of uncertainty. And with uncertainty, there's very little predictability. It's very difficult to understand cause and effect, and it's very difficult to see cascading effects. That's why I always joke when somebody says, we're gonna be live after Easter or Labor Day, though the economy's gonna be back on board. We really do not know. We don't know that because we don't, we don't understand cause and effect with all the feedback loops when it comes to supply chain, when it comes to cash, when it comes to all of us together in this in a situation where we could be affecting each other in that response to it. And so when, or if you're late to the game and, you know, what are the things that any organization can do right now, even if you're late to the response, is to really understand your priority, your intent, 
what's the critical path within your organization, what's absolutely necessary to survive until greater certainty starts evolving after um, you know, stimulus, stimulus packages get set, so forth and so forth. Understand those triggers and make decisions sooner than you have to than later. Uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned stimulus packages there, and at the minute, you know, some of the most notable ones worldwide with government response to COVID nineteen are the the Senate's two trillion dollar stimulus package, and then there's also the the UK's um, three hundred and fifty billion pound sort of lifeline. It's being called uh, that's underway at the minute in the UK. Um, what are your thoughts on those? I mean, they are obviously quite a a reactionary way to to help with the crisis, but do you think that they're kind of the right direction or are there, is there more that could be done to support businesses? I think it's the right direction. I think you have to, I think just based on other situations like this is that you have to provide some safety. Otherwise you're just going to have a complete run on the bank, which is kind of what we're having a little bit right now with stuff, right? Cash is King. Everybody's conserving. Everyone's cutting. Uh, everyone's trying to get some certainty and be able to be able to survive over some uncertain duration, which is very scary. So I think what they're doing is is the right direction. And I think for organizations, they need to be able to supply their employees and their stakeholders with that information and understand what it means to them. One thing we always advise any 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 organization is the saying where people don't sue doctors they like, people sue doctors they don't like. And we know, for example, when it comes to insurance claims, the more that we communicate, the more that we have touch points, the more that we provide resources and capabilities, uh, the more that we do, little things that we do has a huge effect on claims and other uh, litigation type situations. So I think um, I took a little side trail there, but I think organizations um, need to provide that stimulus and what it means to the organization. You just and, and break it down for them and, and help that process and help them help them utilize whatever the capabilities or resources available through them through the stimulus packages. I think also insurance is going to be a very interesting one here, which is you know this, I just I just always will tell you any organization always get a hold of the insurance understand that policy, understand what the things that we have to do to make sure that we can collect it on that. Very few people have infectious disease type of policies after SARS, you know, just became cost prohibitive for insurance companies. But when you talk about civil authority shutdowns, mandatory shutdowns, when you talk about people um, getting sick and filing a claim, these are things that are still going to be covered by the insurance. And so we have to make sure that we t- do those things properly to that we're able to collect on that money um where you say that few policies currently have you know these sickness uh these sickness policies do you think that that will just be one of many things that will change as a result of covid19 because and sort of secondary to that you know how do you how do you see this impacting your job at all in terms of the kind of things that you might uh, guide businesses on yeah, this is, you know, you're absolutely right. This this is definitely well, this is definitely going to change the insurance industry, right? I mean, if everyone filed the claim, the insurance companies would be bankrupt and I and I we haven't seen the bankruptcies come yet. I mean, we really think about this is only a couple of months old. But yet we're going to start seeing more of these bankruptcies happen. People are trying to get every piece of cash they can uh, for. So we we might see a complete disruption in the insurance industry. Now, the insurance industry was already hardening, right? So some organizations are paying multiples of what they were paying last year for the exact same insurance because insurance companies just can't keep up with all the 
with everything that's happening with whether it's recalls and natural disasters and climate change effects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the market is hardening, which means it's getting very expensive to buy insurance. What that means is that companies have to make a trade-off. And so a lot of them are doing the captive where they're invest, you know, they're doing the really the self-investment and investing in their own portfolio. At the same time, they're actually if they're going to be accepting more risk to reduce the premiums, et cetera, et cetera, then they have to invest more in their risk management, right? So if I'm going to be, if I'm going to take more risk, reduce my premiums down, right, that which affects my cash flow, I want to make sure I understand that risk at that site and what it means and what are the things that we're doing to mitigate that. So now I'm really focused on my organizational immune system. I, most organizations are you know, very concerned about the risk, risk management immune system in the past, and they have that done that, but they also relied on insurance, which is if I get sick, I, I collect the cash and, you know, we keep moving along. That's not going to be the case in the future. You're really going to have to become a risk-centric organization when it comes to this because you just can't, you know, it's getting to be very expensive. And I think we are going to see a massive change. We don't know what that change is. Again, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if an insurance company is going to start going bankrupt or if the government's going to bail out the insurance companies yet. We just don't know that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I read a, an article recently discussing how, you know, businesses in general are always within, you know, uh, are always in a state of just before risk or just before, you know, disaster. And you always need to kind of operate like that. And it sounds exactly like what you're talking about, where businesses, especially now, this has shown, you know, they can't afford to they can't afford to act as if everything's great and fine because inevitably something else, you know, even once COVID-19 passes, there's always going to be another thing around the corner to trip them up. That's a, this is a, this is a great uh, discussion point because in most times in risk management and, and, and in insurance, you're really an isolated risk, right? So mm. I have a site that got affected by something or I got a factory or I got a city or maybe a small region if it's a, you know, a, a natural disaster or something of this nature, but not global, right? We have never seen a global shutdown of a global economy. I mean, that's, this is just a, We've just never, never seen this before. So we don't know the cause and effect. And this, and this is also very important to understand. If we don't really understand the cause and effect, and the reason we don't do it, we don't know that is because of the delayed effects. We haven't seen the delayed effects of China going down first. And then we have this trickle effect that occurred across the, um, across the, um, across the world. And so we don't, I, I think it's just important to realize that you just have to, with great uncertainty, you just have to build more agility into the organization and it's about cash it's all about cash i also you know for some organizations by the way bankruptcy is actually a viable strategy bankruptcy is a way to restart so it's not saying you know i'm dead if as an organization if if we were not financially conservative and we and this extremely affected us and we're not going to get much out of the stimulus packages and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bankruptcy is is a viable solution and you can give rebirth. It's it's something that we call regenerative resiliency, which is focusing on that death is just important as birth, is that some things have to in order to bring life to new things, we have to let some things die. So I think it's, you know, I don't I think that's also a strategy when we look at this is for those organizations that are you know, particularly small and mid markets that don't have that cash storage, um, they had to think of an exit strategy and, and bankruptcy is an exit strategy. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I suppose at the very least, especially for smaller franchise networks that may be looking that way, you know, it's a silver lining, as you say, that it's not the end necessarily. This is something of a, just a forced refresh, I guess. Um, 
So your your career within risk management has extended, you know, beyond a couple decades by this point. So you were presumably working with a lot of businesses around when the the 2008 financial crisis occurred. Um, have you got any kind of you know anecdotal stories or case studies from around that period that that might provide a bit of a, a silver lining or hope to businesses that at the minute it seems like everything is coming crashing down? Well, that's that's a really it's an interesting. You know, is the 2008 similar to this one? And, and you know, what were some of the lessons learned out of 2008? And one important part of all of this and is that there's always opportunity in a crisis. Usually crisis, crisis actually gives us two beautiful gifts. One is what we call brand equity. And brand equity means if we come true in our promise, um, we can earn that equity for many decades after that, right? So a brand is a promise. If an organization meets that promise and does the things that it, that its ethos is built around, they can leverage that equity that they gained uh, during times of crisis, right? Because you don't, you I mean you don't earn a brand in good times. In good times, everybody's having a good time. You earn your 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 brand in bad times. So that's one that's one yeah. aspect of it. But the other aspect is change. And typically, crisis is the only catalyst for change in in in, in organizations or even in your personal life. Um, that crisis creates change. And if you can take opportunity into that change, then we can do something with that. So it's when we look at this, you know, we look at 2008 and you look at any other major crisis, you know, this is a time to rethink everything. And we, it's very similar. I always take the approach. It's very similar to zero cost accounting, which is basically zero cost accounting saying at the, at, you know, before the year starts, we're going to start with zero. And you're going to have to justify your budgets going forward, which in typically most organizations, you have a budget and you try to grow that budget every year and you do these things or maybe there's cuts here. And zero cost accounting says we're going to start fresh. And when you have a crisis like this and the executive team are pulling in your employees saying, listen, in order for us to you know, reshape, we're going to start with a clean slate. What would that look like? And I, I like this quote by Andy Grove, which was the CEO of Intel, he's passed away, but he at one point was questioning some of the stuff that he was doing with his organizations. And he thought, well, you know, what happens if, you know, if I got fired, for example, and he was trying to figure out how to change the organization. And he asked himself, you know, and I'll quote it here. He says, if we get kicked out and the board brought in a new CEO, what would he do? Why shouldn't you and I, he's talking to his colleague, why shouldn't you and I walk out the door and come back and do it ourselves. And that's a different mental model. And so you can treat this and go, okay, let's just, if I came in and took over this organization right now and the current state it was without the emotional attachments to the things, what would I do? That's important because it changes your mental model. But we know for a fact from science that when you, if you only think defense, if you only think survival, it only releases certain chemicals in your brain. If I start thinking about opportunities, I'm going to release other chemicals in my brain. And so this gives us also a scientific way of increasing our creativity and innovation within organizations. So I, I was going to say for the 2008, I think the, the key here is, is cash is king. And it's about being extremely innovative and in a survival mentality of being creating change within the organization. Yeah, no, it's definitely um, it's definitely about perspective at the minute, as you say, you know, and the whole survivalist versus opportunist uh, approach to everything. I think that it's it's the only thing a lot of entrepreneurs, and especially maybe 
new franchisees who have just got their business and suddenly been confronted with this massive crisis is the only way they can really look at it to to stay afloat because you can get so bogged down with so much negativity especially with all the headlines circulating around you know closures and layoffs and things it's you just got to kind of keep afloat um so the the last question i wanted to talk with you about sean uh is just that do you think that there are any particular industries or areas that have the potential to come out of uh, come out of all this current crisis more successful than previously you know maybe they have either put the steps in place beforehand or certain industries that can harness that more opportunistic mindset or do you think it's kind of across the board anyone is capable of that it just depends on how they look at things it's a global event in in a global event that even you could you could argue that it's extremely hard on hospitality hospitality franchise business um, service industry and you could say maybe that is you know that's only going to affect that but we're fine over here in finance we're fine over here in in you know, fast moving consumer good industry, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when you have a global event, it if, even if it affects a small amount of people, it is uh, going to affect you. Uh, I think now you'll see a change in market share. I think you could see changes in, um, in the way that we do business. And, and a great example would be, I know the franchise business was working, let's just look at the restaurant business, right? We were looking to do more digital interfacing, right? Where you don't have people taking orders, right? You know, 5G, if we had 5G right now, would it be a different environment that we could do certain situations? So I, I think you're going to see technology play a larger role. Uh, we're going to see online. It's just going to be a new normal and it's going to be really part of the digital uh, age. And this is this is also very important for risk managers and risk management. A lot of risk management is very still structured in an industrial age model, which is this idea that you have this small group of people, very highly skilled, and they they're centralized, and they kind of disseminate, you know, they 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 distribute out the policy and governance and things like that. But that model, it's you know, doesn't it? It can have struggle working in today's digital or industry 4.0, depending on, on who you are, um, landscape. And so I think you're going to see a, a change in just the way that certain centralized functions work versus decentralized. Um, I guess I don't have, a, you know, I'm thinking about it right now as you're asking that question, and maybe I don't have a good answer to that because uh, I just don't. I think we're one ecosystem now, and you just cannot hurt one aspect without, just like the immune system, you can't just hurt one aspect of your immune system and expect the rest to to, to thrive. I think it's, I think across the board will be some some challenges and and those that can capitalize on the opportunity, which is which is uncertain. What that, what, you know, clarity is not there, and what that opportunity is, maybe. Um, will be the winners in it yeah so it's not industry specific at all really as it is more down to those individual you know organizations and entrepreneurs to to kind of do it themselves and you know look at look at what's happening and really make the most of it well thank you very much for your time today sean it's been a, a really interesting conversation about you know risk management and areas that i i definitely haven't considered previously and know are the only real way that businesses can come out of this on top at least to some degree so um so yeah thank you very much for your time you're welcome thank you that was probably a conversation that a lot of franchisors needed to hear uh, especially when sean spoke about bankruptcy being more than just the end of the line you know if used correctly it can be a, a valuable tool that can act as a, a reset button to help those franchises that are being hit the hardest by the ongoing pandemic 
Uh, looking at risk management as a way to boost your body's resilience isn't a comparison I'd considered before, but it's a great way to show exactly why the work that Sean does and other risk management experts do is so essential. You know, it's no good to wait until disaster strikes to suddenly start trying to pick up the pieces in more of a, a reactionary way. Uh, you need to put steps in place ahead of time to make sure that your organization can maintain throughout the tough times. As a silver lining, though, you know, let's not forget what Sean said about earning your brand in the bad times. Periods like these are when the strongest franchise networks are really put to the test. And those that manage to come out on the other end of everything will do so often, you know, stronger and more prepared than they probably went in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Have you been shown that you need to bolster your risk strategy or have the current circumstances proven that preparation pays off? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.